Good morning, all. My name is Greg Vicar. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you so much on a holiday weekend for being here. Thank you for those of you that are joining us online. So happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you, right? I don't know if you've got barbecues planned for later today or, or maybe for tomorrow on Memorial Day itself. But, you know, I love our tribute at the beginning because this is a solemn day for so many, isn't it? I don't have anyone in my family. I have people that served in the, in the armed services, but I don't have anyone in my family that gave the ultimate sacrifice and lost their lives. But I know if I did, like, this day would have so much meaning for me as I'm thinking about Uncle Joe or, you know, Aunt Sue or, or whomever it would be, maybe my brother, my sister. This would be such a tough day. And, and I don't know if you've ever taken the time to go down to Arlington, Virginia and see the, uh, the cemetery that's down there, the National Cemetery. It is such a moving experience to just see as far as the eye can see, you're seeing all the white graves. And then to see the tomb of the unknown soldier and to know that these guys are pacing back and forth and guarding that tomb through rain, snow, sleet, whatever, sunshine, unbearable weather at times, and they're there. Because it's so important that we never take freedom for granted. Amen. So that's a memorial when we go to Arlington, Virginia, and we see the National Cemetery. You see the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. That's a memorial. Today, we have a memorial day. That All right, maybe we're going to celebrate with barbecues. Maybe we're going to celebrate with, with friends and family or just go to the beach. It's going to be nice and warm. We don't get to do that much. But let's not forget what the memorial is for. And, and this morning... We're, talk, we're starting a new series called Rocks from the Bottom of the River, and it's about a memorial. It's about, okay, what happened that God told the Israelites, I want you to take rocks from the bottom of the river. You'll notice we got beautiful display of rocks, 12 of them, because God said, I want you to take one for every tribe of Israel. So he got one person from every tribe. They went, and they got the rocks. This wasn't the first time they had made a run for the promised land, right? The Israelites under Moses, had tried to get to the promised land. God told Moses, hey, send out one person from every tribe. Go scout out the promised land. This is the land. This is the whole reason why I brought you out of Egypt. The whole reason why I parted the Red Sea. Now send out a spy into the land and come back and let's see if it's good. Are we going to go into the promised land? So the 12 spies go. They all come back with a story. Right? Two of them have a story. Let's go! Like, this is going to be amazing! And ten have a story. Guys, it's a great land, no doubt about it. But man, there's giants in the land. And, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. So who do the Israelites believe? You know what? They go with the ten. And it cost them. It cost them dearly. God said, okay, because of your unbelief... Anyone the age of 20 or over, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. And now this three-day journey is going to be 40 years wandering in the wilderness. How, how many of you would like to sign up for a 40-year road trip? Right? <laughs> You'd never get there. Your kids are constantly going to be asking you, are we there yet? Are we, I, I've, seen this, I've seen this mud hole before. We're just, we're just wandering in the desert. When are we going to get there? 40-year road trip. There was only two that were allowed into the promised land from that original uh, set of people that were 20 or older. And it was the two spies that came back with the report saying, let's go. It was the two that had faith. So the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. 
And there's two spies that had gone out. It was Joshua and Caleb. And in the book of Joshua, you'll find that God tells Joshua to instruct the priest. Tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant. You can see that picture there. You know, we've not had any great movies about this, so I I couldn't pick a, a nicer picture. It's more of a cartoon picture. But you see the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And he said, tell the priest who carry the Ark, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters... Go and stand in the river. So that's what the priests are doing. They're walking into a Jordan River. That's, the river's flowing. Now, later on in, in Joshua 3, it says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Probably not the best time to try to cross the river. right? Don't do it during flood stage. But that's what God tells the priests to do. These guys, man, they, they got the ark. That's the presence of God. And they're walking filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the presence of God. And they do exactly what God says. And as soon as they touch the water, the water starts to part. It says here in in verse uh, 15 and 16, As soon as the priests who carry the ark reach the Jordan and their feet touch the water's water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and it piled up in a heap a great distance away. So now we're going to pick up this story in Joshua 3, 17 to chapter 4 verse 7 and it says the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the lord stopped in the middle of the jordan and they stood on dry dry ground so they they went out at first they stopped at the edge the whole the water started to back up now they got a lane and and not just did it back up and they're walking through mud right it backed up and they're walking on dry ground like you know god can do amazing things and god says all right go and stand in the middle they stand in the middle and all of Israel starts to, to go uh, with them. So they stop in the middle of Jordan. They stood on dry ground while all Israel passed until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. And when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among, among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing. And carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. A memorial forever. See, there's so many things that we can pull out of these couple of verses. I just want to take a moment and and just ask you a couple of questions. See what you got. Right? It's, it's kind of like when you would read those stories back in grade school and they'd ask you the comprehension questions and you're like... I was just spacing it the whole time you were reading me this story. I don't know what you said. I, I was looking like I was paying attention, but it's like there's nobody home. All right, where did the priests stop? They stopped right in the middle of the river. Why is that significant, you think? Right, right in the middle of whatever you're going through is the presence of God. And God says, okay, I'm not only going to lead you by your presence, but right in the middle of whatever situation you find yourself, that's where I am. That's where my presence is. So what do they get from the middle of the river and who gets it? They get 12 rocks, right? They took each one of these rocks. These are heavy. And they put them on their shoulder. 
And like they're walking out, each one with a rock. And now I've got to try to get this thing on here and not create an avalanche. But um, they're heavy. These aren't fake. They're real rocks. Um, so each person, one from every tribe, got a rock. Now, I don't know how many rocks are in a river, but I guess this river must have had a lot of rocks, right? There wasn't like which one, but they picked up the rocks right from the middle of the river. Now, one from every tribe, what's significant about that? It's not like, you know what? We only need six of you. You got two arms. Put one on each arm and go. No, everyone is included. God wasn't leaving anyone out. And God's not leaving any one of us out either. When he says, hey, right in the middle of your situation, I'm there for you. But right in the middle, I've got a stone that I want you to pick out to remember what I've taken you through. So what did they do with the rocks? They made a memorial. See, they didn't just make a memorial for their kids. They made a memorial for themselves, too, that they would remember. Right? God said, I want you to take it, and I want you to bring. Um, Now, have you ever heard of a teachable moment with your kids? What's a teachable moment? A teachable moment is when something happens, and now you're able to illuminate maybe a principle that you've tried to been teaching your kids. So I'll give you an example. Try to tell your kids about what it means to be transformed from who we are into the likeness of Jesus. It's like that's a hard concept to get across, right? But then you find a little leaf with a caterpillar on it, and you're like, ah, I'm going to take this caterpillar I'm going to get a whole bunch of milkweed, put it in a thing, and I'm going to raise this caterpillar into a chrysalis, into a butterfly, and now you've got a teachable moment, don't you? And you can talk about, all right, what does God do in our hearts and in our lives as we renew our minds by the Holy Spirit? We're transformed into who he is. That's the best teachable moment, and God was giving the Israelites, he's kind of planning for this teachable moment, saying, hey, if you have this, sto- this pile of rocks there, you're going to be walking by with your kids someday. And they're going to ask you, hey, mom, hey, dad, what's that pile of rocks for? Oh, let me tell you. Right? And it's going to be an amazing thing not only for your kids but also for you. Because God said, take it to, to the place where you are. And it's for your future. See, every time I pass this pile of rocks, I can't help but remember what? I can't help but remember what God did. In, in my life, I was there that day. I remember when the priest came. I remember the celebration when the Celtics won with three seconds left on game six, right? Well, you, you were there. Maybe you remember it. All right, I got to tell you, I was watching the highlights this morning because I didn't stay up last night. I was nervous just watching the highlights. I'm like, how are they going to do this? There's three seconds left. They're down by one. Marcus Smart misses. Oh, you got to watch the highlight. I won't tell you anymore. But every time they pass the rocks, they're going to remember, this is what God did. So now I want to ask you a question. I want to talk about what's a prophetic promise. Recently, there's been a number of us that have completed a 10-week video course called the Conquer Series. And this was a principle that Dr. Ted Roberts presented. It, It just resonated in my heart, this idea of a prophetic promise. Maybe you've heard it before, maybe you've not. But he introduced this this prophetic promise, and he said, the enemy rarely attacks us in our intellect. He seems to always attack us in our emotions or emotionally. And that's why the prophetic promise that God gives us, it usually comes at a time where we're walking through a situation and it's emotional for us. So uh, this is how we defined it. A prophetic promise is a time when you encountered God's presence in your life in a powerful way. Right? Anybody ever had God move in your life that you can look back 
Just like picking out a stone from the middle of the river or a rock from the middle of the river, you can look back and you can say, you know what? I know God was there for me. Maybe you recognize God's presence right in the middle of it. Maybe it's as you look back, you're like, you know what? I didn't realize that was God, but that was God moving in my life. God was showing up that day in a big way. Maybe God gave you a scripture at that time or or God spoke a word of promise to you at that time. That's significant as well. So I want to give you two examples of prophetic promises that I've had in my life. Um, One was when I was really young. One was when I was a lot older. So I'm going to start with the young one, right? I'm 13. I've I've been a Christian now for three years. I'm in this service. Uh, We would go out east every, every Sunday afternoon to a retreat center, and they would have a different speaker every week, and someone would, would preach the word from 3 to 5 in the afternoon, right? So we're in this service, the person's speaking, and now it's a ministry time, and they're like, young man, would you come up here? And I'm like, what the, am I in trouble? Like, did I do something wrong? And, and they invite me up in front, and this person starts to prophesy over me. Never happened to me before in my life. And she starts to say things that I'm like, who are you talking about, right? But, but she's like, um, I wrote it down. I, I used to have this written down and somehow I've lost it. But, but she, she starts to tell me, I've called you into ministry. And she's speaking for God. I've called you into ministry. You're going to open up the book before many. You're going to stand before me. Today is your Bethel. And I'm like, I don't even know what Bethel is. Like, I got to go back and look that one up. But as she's saying, what do you think I'm doing? I've always been the same, people. I am sobbing my eyes out because (laughs) I just know it's the presence of God. Like, and something is moving me, and I am a hot mess, sobbing. She prophesies, and I go back to my seat, and I'm like, I don't even know what just happened, God, but I know that I have just encountered you in probably one of the more powerful ways for my entire life. So my memory is a little vague on this, but as I was thinking about it, preparing for this message, I think I was in about eighth grade, and eighth grade was the time that I had to do an oral book report, which I'm deadly afraid at that time anyway of getting up in front of people and speaking, right? And I had read a book on John the Baptist. I knew my teacher was Jewish, and I wanted to explain the gospel to him, and I was going to use this book report to do it. Um, So I do the book report, I preach the gospel, and in front of the whole class, he's like, Greg, did the book say all those things, or did you add some to it? I'm like, uh, I added some to it. And he called me out in front of the whole class, and I swore to myself, I am never going to get up in front of people. And it's in this same time period that God speaks this word to me. And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. I'm going to be an engineer. Like, I've decided I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to go to engineering. Like, I don't know how this is ever, but like, sometimes God gives you a word, you put it on the shelf. And it's been on the shelf for 40 years. How did I know what God was going to do? How did I know that I'd come to a church called Faith Christian Center and start to get an opportunity to preach the word, become an elder there, start Shiloh, right? I, I didn't know any of these things, but God's timing is perfect. Sometimes he gives you that prophetic promise not for now, it's for where you're going to become, but God sees that in our lives. All right, example number two, way more recent. I'm having gum surgery a few years back. I don't like the dentist, people. I don't know if you, if you love the dentist. My wife loves the dentist. I've never liked the dentist, probably because my teeth are not very good, and they've always had to do the cavity thing and the root canals and, and all the rest, right? My sister, my twin sister got the great teeth. I got the bad teeth. Um, so I'm having gum surgery where they cut the roof of your mouth, they harvest gum tissue, and they sew it on your gums, and it sounds 
If it sounds awful, it is awful, right? Um, now, two things. I'm cheap, so they offer me the gas, and I'm like, I'm not going to pay 500 bucks for gas. Oh, wait a minute. If I get the gas, I can't drive? No, I like to be in control, too. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to take the gas so that I can drive when I leave this place, right? So now I'm in, I'm in the chair, and, and I've, had, I've had other things done where they're like, it's just going to be pressure. You're not going to feel anything. I can handle pressure. It's just the pain I don't want to feel, you know? Um, so I'm in there, and I didn't realize this, but I have crossover nerves in the roof of my mouth. So even though they do Novocaine where they expect, or, hey, we're going to be here, the crossover nerves still pick up the signal. I'm like, ah, I'm in pain. I'm raising my hand. The guy's like, there's no more Novocaine I can give you. I've hit every, every spot, every receptor. Like, that's it, buddy. So, so now I, I got my, my noise-canceling headphones on. I'm listening to worship music, and this song comes on. It's crazy. It's in Christ alone my hope is found. He's my light, my strength, my song, my cornerstone, my solid ground, firm through the fierce drought and storm. And I just get a picture as I'm sitting there of I'm holding on to a buoy and like this current and the wind is, you know, and the, and the rain is just whipping in my face and I'm holding on to this buoy and the current's trying to take me off the buoy. And I'm like, God is giving me the strength that I just need to hold on to this buoy. So now I start to cry because that's what I do. The dentist thinks I'm crying because of the pain. I'm just having a moment with God. Like the tears are coming down and he's working on my mouth going, I'm going as fast as I can. And I'm like, no, I'm just experiencing God. But I, I, I can't tell him anything because like you have all the stuff. It was impactful. It was really, really impactful for me. I'll never forget it. So what are your prophetic promises? What is God trying to say or what has he already said in your life? Maybe you've had experiences like, I just gave you two. I could go on. We could be here for a long time. Because when you start to think about it, you're like, God, you've shown up here. You've shown up here. When my dad died, you, sh- you showed up. When I was in college, you spoke to me in an audible voice. Lord, when I was asking you to speak, there was a thunderclap out of nowhere. And you spoke silence and peace to my heart. Like, I can just keep going on and recounting. But I've also been saved since 10 and I'm 62. I got a lot of years, right? So maybe you don't have as many years, but God is still working. Even before you knew him, I bet you you can look back and say, God saved my life here. God was working when my mom was praying for me. God was working when this person, like you can see the times that God was working in your life, maybe even before you knew him, before you had received him as savior. So now here's the powerful thing about it. What scriptures can you tie to these promises? See, here's the deal. If I go back to the scripture in Genesis 28, 16, and 19, this is when Bethel is mentioned in the word of God. If I never took the time to look up what the word says about Bethel, I would totally miss this. It says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. And he named that place Bethel. And God was telling me that day when I'm 13, you don't even know what I'm going to do in your life. You're not aware of my presence. But God, but Greg, I've got a call on your life, and this is what you're going to do someday. Right? So, so that's a scripture I can tie to that experience. Man, it is so powerful when I do that. For the, for the time when I was getting gum surgery, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. God gave me strength that day. He gave me a picture of what it looks like to stand in the face of adversity and to hold on. And God gives us that ability where we can hold on. 
You know, it's amazing. When I find these scriptures, when I have these promises, have you ever heard the scripture before? I think a lot of you have. Hebrews 4.12 mentions this. The word of God is quick. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, the word in the Greek for two-edged sword really means out of two mouths. So how does that work? How do you have a double-edged sword that means out of two mouths? Right, and here's how it goes. God speaks either a rhema word, a, a spoken word to you, or a logos word, a written word out of, out of his word to you. He speaks that word to you, and then you speak it back out of your mouth. So it comes out of his mouth, it comes out of your mouth in agreement, and bam, that's a two-edged sword. Like, that's crazy, isn't it? But that's why we need to take these promises that God has spoken to us. We find what's the word, and now we agree with the word. We speak out the word of God, and there's the two-edged sword. God gives us that as part of the armor for us to fight. When you're going through times of temptation, there's nothing more that you need than to look back. What's the rock that I've taken out of the middle of this river that gives me faith to believe that I can, I can not only overcome this, but there's no weapon formed against me that's going to prosper, right? God just starts to well up inside of us. And it's just amazing when we have the word of God, when we got the promise that he spoke to us, we start speaking that out, and now we find that two-edged sword. So when you came in today, you all got a little card, right? I wish I had one. Did you get a card, Eva? Nope, you didn't get a card. Did you get a card? Someone show me a card. All right. So when you came in, you should have all gotten a card like this. It says, create your memorial. If you didn't get one on the way in, then get one on the way out. Dave, I'll give it to you later. Um, So this is what I wrote on this card because I think there's something for each of us that God wants us to create our own memorial. Right? He, told, he told the Israelites, take, take a rock from the bottom of the river, and I want you to put them all up. I want you to stack them up. Why? It's going to be for you, and it's going to be for your kids. So we have memorials in our life like a memorial day. I want us to have our faith memorials. God, this is where you showed up in my life. This is what you've done. Maybe one of these rocks has a situation in your life that you need to take from the bottom of the river. You need to start your own pile. So I want to encourage you, identify at least four times that God has shown up in your life. Maybe you got way more than that. Start with four. Maybe you've got to think hard to get to two. Say, God, have there been other times? Maybe there's something even when you were a child you don't remember yet, but God was there and God wants to bring it back to your remembrance that you're going to be like, okay, God, you did. You showed up there. I, I remember when I got this challenge in that video, I just started to take a moment and start to write in my book. You know what? It was meaningful for me to say, wow, God, you've moved in my life in so many different ways. Now, find a verse that speaks to you about that time. Maybe God spoke a verse to you then, and you can write that verse down. Or maybe like Bethel, you're like, I was clueless. I got to go look that up. And, but you look it up, and now it's like, all right, now you've got the spoken word. You've got the written word from God. When you wake up in the morning... Confess the promises of God and the scriptures because this is your double-edged sword. Like people, don't go through the day without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't go through the day without putting your armor on. And this is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's the double-edged sword that he gives us that we can wake up up in the morning, confess the promises of God, confess the scriptures that he's already spoken to us through our life. And now pray in light of your promises rather than your problems. Because here's what that does, right? If I'm focused on my problem, I'm thinking, Lord, you know I got this to do, I got this to do, I got this to do, and now my head is down. 
right? That's my posture. I'm looking at all the things I got to do. I'm looking at all the stuff in my life. When Peter was focused on Jesus, he walked on the water. He got out of the boat and he walked on the water. Peter, Peter that denied Christ three times because a little slave girl challenged him. But he walked on the water when his eyes were on Jesus and he sank when his eyes were on the wind and the waves. Don't be looking at your problems. That's not how you pray, right? Peter looked at his problems and he sank. When he looked at Jesus, he walked, right? When we pray in light of our promises, faith has already risen up in our hearts because we're saying, God, you were here for me here and you moved in my life here and you moved in my life here. This is what your word says about me. Now we're speaking his word. We're praying out of the promises of God. Now we're ready for the day. We're filled up, ready for the day, and you can enter. You can still tell God your problems, but don't start there. Start by praying out the promises. And now I'm saying simply when you enter the shower, because I want a specific time that you probably, hopefully, please, you do every day, right? (laughs) Um, Maybe it's brush your teeth. That would be another good one to pick, right? But something you do every day, thank God for five things he did in your life yesterday. Right, Because God instructs us to thank him. God instructs us to give him praise. We were praying downstairs this morning, and just as word rose up through the prayer time, we're going to boast about you, God, because you're worthy. And, and you know what? As we started to boast about him, man, the Spirit just started to fill us in a, in a unique and powerful way. So there's something to be said when we start to pray, when we start to pray in light of our promises, when we start to thank God for what he did yesterday. Now, think back to yesterday, Saturday. What happened in your life that you can thank God for? You know, maybe it's, God, you gave me the time to to just sit and be in your presence. Maybe, Lord, I finally got a chance to mow the lawn. It's been two weeks since I've mowed the lawn. Right? I don't, maybe, God, you gave me a wife and kids that are amazing. What a gift. Lord, I was able to, to wake up and I had breath in my lungs. Right? What is it that you're thankful for? Like, start to, start to go back to God and thank him. Because there's something that changes in our hearts when we, when we start offering up thanks and praise to him. So, each of you, you got one of these. If you get the Shiloh News on a Friday, I'm going to ask you, did, you, did you create your memorial? What did it look like? What's changing in your life? But, but boy, if you could take this out and you can spend some time, maybe tomorrow, hopefully you got the day off, take some time to, to just be in God's presence, maybe in the morning, maybe at night, and just write down what are those, what are those times that God has worked in your life? What's, what's the stones that you've put out, pulled out in the middle of the river? You know, I believe that, that even as we do that, God is going to start to speak more, more things about our future, right? Maybe, maybe you've got a stone in the middle of your river that's called, this is the day I asked my wife to marry me, or this was the day I was asked by my husband to marry him. And, and man, God spoke to me. I knew it was God. And now you find yourself in a little bit of a trouble. You're, you're running through a rough patch. Right? God wants to encourage you by going back to the prophetic promise. You knew it was God when you got married. So what happened? Right? The thing is, when, when we lose sight of God, it's not him that's moved. It's us that's moved. Right? So, so God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what, God? Like, I know your peace. I remember when you spoke peace in my life. But Lord, right now, I'm not, I'm not feeling peace. 
God, it's not, it's not you that's moved, right? We, we take those rocks of God works tremendously in our lives. We put, them, we put them there as a memorial. Now we're like, all right, I may not be experiencing that right now, but I know I've, ex- I've experienced it in the past, and God, you're going to give me faith to believe in the future. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Thank you, Lord. We're going to have a prayer team that comes up right as we finish, as we finish service today. If you want to agree with anyone in prayer for anything you're going through. Maybe it's something regarding this message and, and it's just remembering and just solidifying a, a memory and, and a moment where God spoke to you. Maybe it's you've got a need for healing. You've got a need for, for to be set free from, from something. Please come up and pray with us afterwards. So God, I, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you that you are the one that speaks to each of us, God. Lord, You've known us before we were born. You've seen every day of our lives. You've seen the good. You've seen the bad, Lord. For the, through each circumstance, you were there right in the middle of the river with us. And God, you want us to take a memorial rock from that bottom of the river and place it on the side where we're, where we're going to sleep tonight because, God, that's where we're going to see it. We're going to remember it. Lord, let us take the time to remember the things that you've done in our lives. Thank you, God, that, your, that faith is arising as we look forward to the future. So I pray your blessing over each one as they take the time to do this. God, let it be, let it be impactful. Let it be spiritual. Let it, let it just uh, cause faith to rise in them like never before. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have a great day. God bless you all. Happy Memorial Day.